Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and today we will be discussing Ohio State and their 35-7 win over the Youngstown State Penguins. There are some takeaways that I have. Most notably, I think that this team is one of the highest ceilings and also one of the lowest floors out of any team currently ranked inside of the top 10, but we'll dive into that throughout this video. Before we get started, Please subscribe to this channel and hit the notification bell beside the subscribe button so you can get notified when I post more Ohio State football and Big Ten football content, and also when I publish college football content all around. We have some new and exciting videos that are going to become regular content throughout the regular season that will be starting this week. So stay tuned for those, and we'll certainly be previewing and giving a prediction for Ohio State's game against Western Kentucky, along with several other Big Ten and some non-Big Ten matchups as well. Like this video if you could as well, and I'd appreciate it. And comment your thoughts on this game down below so we can have a conversation about the Buckeyes' 28-point win at home. Ohio State was favored by 45.5. Um, I predicted the Buckeyes to come out and to cover, and they didn't. And that's been a trend for two games now, for Ohio State in particular, and also for much of college football, but especially in regards to Ohio State. Because in watching Ohio State's games, for the past two games now, I've seen a team that has a very high ceiling, but is also inconsistent. The defense, we'll talk about the def defense throughout this video, but I think the defense, there's an interesting statistic where Ohio State in their first two games, has allowed the fewest amount of yards since 2008. So I think the defense by that metric, but more importantly, just seeing how they're able to defend the pass and defend the run. I know they haven't faced anyone yet, but I get a good feeling about the defense. We'll have to see how they do against Notre Dame because Audric Estime is averaging eight yards per carry. He looks insane. Um, Sam Hartman... I don't trust his reputation against big-time defenses, but yet again, he is a better supporting cast, and it's never too late to make a jump if you're a player. Even if you're in your sixth year and you're a super senior, you can still have a breakout season. So we'll learn a lot. Um, Notre Dame dominated NC State. There were moments where, of course, the Irish weren't perfect. They made some mistakes, but they won on the road by 21 points, and, and good for them. Ohio State won at home by 28 points over an FCS school. Kyle McCord is definitely quarterback number one. That's not even an argument anymore. And I said that after the Indiana game, given the amount of snaps he had in comparison to Devin Brown. And this game confirms it. McCord went 14 of 20 for 258 passing yards and three passing touchdowns. And Devin Brown went 7 of 13 for 101 yards and he had a 15.8 quarterback efficiency rating, which is very low. That's lower than Jeff Sims, that's lower than Graham Mertz, and that was Devin Brown. Now, that's obviously I'm not saying that to tell you that Devin Brown is worse than Jeff Sims and worse than Graham Mertz. He's better. I think we can all agree on that. However, in this individual performance, he performed as if he was a bad quarterback a below-average-at-best quarterback, an awful quarterback at worst. I don't think he is that. But clearly, Kyle McCord 
now after his game against Youngstown State, is the 11th most efficient quarterback in the nation per ESPN. He made nice throws. He found open receivers. He was intelligent. He put the ball where it needed to be. And he looked calmer in the pocket. He looked like he had more confidence. Those are all things you want to see. In week one, the quarterback competition for who's the best quarterback in the Big Ten, it really looks like a two-man race between J.J. McCarthy and Drew Aller and that no one else was close. But Kyle McCord now, I know it's Youngstown State, but if he can build this confidence and chemistry with his team against these smaller opponents and work his way up, his name could be talked about nationally by the end of the year easily, especially with the supporting cast he has on offense, with a healthy Travion Henderson, with the wide receiver core that he has, a great tight end in Cade Stover, and an offensive line that does have a lot of potential and that I saw improvements from in comparison to week one. Though, again, you have to factor in the opponent that you faced. It's still very early in the season. I don't want to make too many overreactions, but I guess you can say that an overreaction that I have is this, and this isn't set in concrete, this is just a thought that I have, and the thought is Ohio State has a very low floor relative to its talent and coaching and football program, and also the ever-high ceiling that we know Ohio State has the potential to hit. There have been plays, both in the Indiana game and in the Youngstown State game, where I think this could be the best team in America if the talent is utilized correctly and if Ohio State becomes more consistent. I think this could be the number one team in America even if Kyle McCord isn't a top five or even top ten quarterback. There is so much talent at wide receiver, tight end, running back, and at every position you could possibly imagine on defense. In fact, I believe on defense, particularly linebacker and secondary, And you can say the same at wide receiver and running back for offense, that the two deeps of those position rooms that I just named could be starters on the majority of Power 5 teams in America. And they could still produce at a near elite level. That's how deep Ohio State is. The inverse of that, of course, is the horrific inconsistency that exists. Through two games against two opponents who will be some of the easiest, most cupcake opponents that Ohio State plays all year, Ryan Day's offense is averaging less than 30 points per game. That is jarring. That that statistic messes with my head. That's crazy. That shouldn't even that shouldn't even be a possibility. A Ryan Day team that in the first two games of the season, where even with the new clock rules, You have elite starters. Your defense is good enough and great enough to force three and outs from, you know, Indiana and Youngstown State. Aren't you you expected to rack up tons of points? Well, Well, of course. And due to a multitude of things, of course, that hasn't happened, and that doesn't mean Ohio State is a average or good football team they're still a great near elite elite football team no question about it I'm, I'm not going to overreact in my top 25 video that'll drop within the next 48 hours you will see Ohio State is still in my top four I think the way people are reacting to them and lowering them outside of the top five or six some people are even putting them outside of the top 10 that stuff's lunacy 
I want to know what they're smoking and then call the FBI to raid their home. But that's a different conversation. The inverse of the extremely high ceiling is, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s performance against Indiana, for example, or Devin Brown's performance against Youngstown State, where he was constantly throwing the football behind his receivers, wasn't accurate, wasn't making bright decisions, and that's that's the floor of this team. And the floor also involves a defense that, while I think they look much improved compared to last year, I mentioned Youngstown State's run game and how they have a running back in Taishun King who could potentially test this Buckeye front, you know, front six, could test the defense. And he averaged over five yards per carry. And Youngstown State overall had nearly 100 rushing yards, three yards per carry, and Earlier in the game, they were able to use their run game in combination with their passing game to go on a 5-minute, 75-yard, 11-play drive to score in the first quarter. So there are inconsistencies on both sides of the football, along with special teams, of course, but the ceiling is high. The floor, lower than I would say we would think of or predict in regards to what we've been accustomed to with Ohio State and Ryan Day. Part of that, of course, is the schedule, but also the new talent, because when a player like C.J. Stroud leaves for the NFL, your offense is expected to have some growing pains or, at worst, take a slight step back. And I say slight in that instance because Ohio State returned Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ekbuka, Cade Stover, their entire running back room, and important parts of their offensive line, like both of their offensive guards, who were all Big Ten caliber players last season. The offense has taken a larger step back than I and others have anticipated, as I've already said. And to, I think, sum it up perfectly in one player, the inconsistency of this team, would be Marvin Harrison Jr.'s statistics and how he's targeted and schemed into games so far this year. Against Indiana, the chemistry between McCord and his wide receivers honestly wasn't there, and Marvin Harrison Jr. had a far worse game than anyone predicted. Against Youngstown State, he had seven receptions for 160 yards and two receiving touchdowns. In my opinion, he was the player of the game because he helped Ohio State's offense get going. He had a 71-yard receiving touchdown to start off with 13 minutes and 34 seconds left in the first quarter on a three-play 76-yard drive. And then with one minute and 20 seconds remaining in the first quarter, he had a 39-yard pass from Kyle McCord, a pass where Marvin Harrison Jr. had to turn his entire body around because he was so open and McCord underthrew him, and he laid out and made a beautiful touchdown catch. Against a team like Penn State or Michigan, that ball probably gets picked off or at least deflected, but it was a beautiful play by Marvin Harrison Jr., and he got that offense in rhythm to where they quickly pulled away from Youngstown State. Emeka Egbuka also had a touchdown reception, and the run game had very bright moments, but overall, Marvin Harrison Jr. by far looked like the best player on the field for the Buckeyes. Certainly helped McCord, in my mind, solidify his quarterback number one job. Both of them played together in high school, and now they're playing together again at the college level. And you love to see it. 
Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in America. We're not going to debate that on this channel. And Ohio State just has to continue to target him. Use him to your advantage. I know that Ryan Day wants to make sure Ohio State is tough. He wants them to run the ball and have a power look. That's why he brought in Justin Fry. And you have a good weapon in Cade Stover. I've noticed that Cade Stover has gotten more involved in the offense, which if you're a team that lacks receiving talent, or if you're a team like Iowa who loves to use tight ends and maybe you have another great tight end with Stover, that makes sense. But you have Marvin Harrison Jr. and you have Igbuka. Of course, scheme in Stover to keep defenses honest. And a good tight end for blocking purposes, for receiving purposes, for mismatches is critical. But don't sacrifice targets to Marvin Harrison Jr. or Igbuka or Fleming or Carnell Tate or any of those wide receivers that Hartline has coached. Don't sacrifice targets and catches to those wide receivers in exchange for giving them more to tight ends and the running backs. That's just my opinion. I think Cade Stover's a great player. I think the majority, if not all, of Ohio State's running backs in that room are great players to elite players who have future NFL games awaiting them. However, it's not in Ohio State's nature to be a team that is run-heavy and tight end, I would say more tight end conscious, that's, although that's a horrible way of putting it. And part of the reason for that is the offensive line isn't there yet, especially at tackle. And I think the line as a whole is still building that chemistry and cohesion. An example of that is on Henderson's 30-yard run that was all him and his speed to the outside. A defense with greater athleticism and that was put in a better position by their coordinator probably blows that play up. So in light of what I just said, if Ohio State's performance against Youngstown State becomes the constant for them for the rest of the season, where the run game while having a lot of hits also has a lot of misses, meanwhile the quarterback play is good, great, near elite, and Marvin Harrison Jr. continues to play as the nation's number one wide receiver, and Emeka Igbuka playing as the number two wide receiver. If you're Ryan Day and Brian Hartline, do not be afraid to move back to more of that 2021 offense, where C.J. Stroud just sat in the pocket behind an offensive line that, mind you, was worse than 2022's offensive line. He sat in the pocket, delivered very accurate throws, and the nation's best wide receiver room, coupled with a near-elite quarterback to an elite quarterback by the middle and end of the season in C.J. Stroud was tearing up opposing defenses. And I think this run game, even with the offensive line in its current state, I think the run game will be better than it was in 2021. Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones are going to help out the guys on the outside. More importantly, they're going to help Carson Hinsman at center. I still think the interior of that offensive line has so much promise, and Josh Fryer, Josh Simmons, Luke Montgomery, there is talent at tackle. Again, for Ohio State, it's not as much about talent as it is consistency and execution. They have the talent, they have the ceiling. The question is, where are they going to play in the range that is between their floor and ceiling for each position group? 
As of now, I still think the Buckeyes are one of the best teams in college football, though I would give a nod, a slight nod, to Georgia and Michigan being in their own tier as the top two teams in America. But Ohio State's certainly in the top four, and with a good performance on the road against Notre Dame or at home against Penn State and just continuing to win their games and showing off their talent, they could have an argument to be number two, number one. Um, They'll certainly stay in the top four for me, likely, until proven otherwise, honestly. There's so much talent, and a lot of people criticize Ryan Day, but you'll hear me give honest criticism when it needs to be said. However, I do think he is one of the better head coaches in college football at this moment. Ohio State's rush defense was tested by Tyshawn King. I want to talk about Youngstown State for a few minutes before I bounce back to Ohio State and then we conclude this video. Tyshawn King and Youngstown State had nearly 100 rushing yards. Now, that isn't much, but for the amount of talent that Ohio State has at defensive tackle, players like Mike Hall, Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams. Tyleek Williams had a tackle for loss, by the way, along with Mike Hall. So the Buckeye defensive tackle room had two out of three of the tackles for loss against Youngstown State. In spite of the talent up front, an FCS school in Youngstown State, who I think is a top 25 FCS school, was able to at times run the football and keep Ohio State's defense honest. They have good coaching. Um, They're tough. They're a great FCS team. They did have one touchdown, and they struck early and then forced Ohio State to punt, and they had over 200 offensive yards. So if we have any Youngstown State fans on here, I highly doubt we do, but I think that they have a great season under head coach Doug Phillips ahead of them. Also, Jim Tressel. Ohio State legend and also president of Youngstown State for a while after his time as the Buckeyes head coach, he was wearing a half Youngstown State, half Ohio State vest while watching the game in Ohio Stadium. It was it was good to see him there and, you know, supporting both schools that he had such a large impact on as a head coach for both schools and as an administrator for Youngstown State University. This is a good team. They have a good run game. Run game is certainly better than their passing game, and they do have a competent quarterback. So Ohio State played a school that is you know, far inferior to them. That we know, of course. However, nonetheless, it's another win for Ohio State. And for Youngstown State, they, they showed some fight. You know, they were tied with Ohio State at one point. They responded. They forced a punt, a few punts, actually. And Youngstown State's defense, you know, as I mentioned earlier, they collected a few sacks, a few tackles for loss. They had over 100 receiving yards. A Max Tomczak, he had a 36-yard reception that was a very impressive throw by, I believe it was Mitch Davidson, um, Youngstown State quarterback. So the Penguins, I think that they have a bright season ahead of them. For the Buckeyes... Kyle McCord is Ohio State's best quarterback by a mile. However, that is a positive for sure, but it's one of the few positives that I can take away in relationship to my preseason expectations for this team. 
This unit is conflicting, and the offensive line, I cannot stress enough, needs to improve. They need to improve because Kyle McCord needs protection. The more protection that he can get, the quicker that he will mature, the more confident he will be, and the faster he's going to be able to make big plays and and get comfortable and improve as a player. So also the run game as well. If the offensive line improves, this will become one of the best rushing offenses in college football. I can guarantee you that. Travion Henderson is healthy. Mayan Williams is healthy. For now, from how I understand Ohio State's roster at this very minute, there aren't many injury concerns, if any. Everyone's healthy, which is the antithesis of last year's theme. The difference is, of course, last year's offensive line at least is much better than the current state of this offensive line in 2023. So I cannot stress enough, the offensive line needs to get better, and if it can't, then the way Ohio State is playing at an offensive level at every other position and how Ryan Day and Brian Hartline are scheming and calling plays and game planning for opponents, that will need to change to fit the personnel. Otherwise, the offense will be ineffective, inefficient, they won't have confidence in their identity, and that plays right into Michigan and Penn State's hands, as both of those teams, in my mind, are, along with Ohio State, the only three teams in the Big Ten Conference that can contend to win the Big Ten and also contend to win a national championship. And Ohio State being a team who is more focused on their offense and relies more on their offense to win traditionally under Ryan Day than has been the case for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan or James Franklin at Penn State, I think there is a certain level of urgency for, of course, the Wolverines, Nittany Lions, and Buckeyes. But especially after the first two weeks, you have to be thinking that with Michigan looking as dominant as ever in their first two games, with Penn State noticeably improving, and Ohio State having some inconsistencies, there is definitely a sense of urgency in Columbus. I still think that they're a top-four team. I want to continue to say that. And any of my criticisms, they're not slights. I think they're legitimate questions. I think that there is a three-man race for the Big Ten. The Big Ten, likely, as things stand right now, looks to have one college football playoff spot. Texas beat Alabama, so the Big 12 is in a better place than they were in the preseason by projections. Similar with the ACC, because Clemson got blown up by Duke. They don't look good. Florida State looks much better than... I expected, and regardless of what others expected, the ACC looks more wide open than most predicted. The Pac-12 is still deep, and I think that Washington and Oregon State and maybe even USC are beginning to separate themselves a bit after Utah and Oregon struggled in Week 2 games on the road at Big 12 schools. But the Pac-12 will be intriguing. I still think a playoff team comes out of the Pac-12, It looks more likely that a college football playoff team will come out of the Big 12 and ACC, which I did not predict in the preseason. The SEC with Georgia, I think they'll get a playoff team in, whether that's Georgia 
or Alabama or LSU miraculously win out, who knows. But every Power 5 conference right now has a team that I think is on the pathway to be contending for the playoffs in late November, which means that whoever in the East is second fiddle to the champion, unlike last year where Ohio State was able to sneak in, I think there's a chance that this year an 11-1, whether it's Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State, could get left out of the college football playoffs despite being 11-1 and and go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Now, I'm not predicting that. That's sort of another overreaction from Week 2 as a whole, but that's just thoughts. I'm not going to list that as a prediction of mine after Week 2. Again, I'm holding myself to the standard that I'm not going to make predictions until... I'd say a few weeks later than today. I want to see these teams play more games. Of course, I predicted Alabama, for example, to beat Texas, so my predictions about those two teams has to be adjusted according to that game. But for a team like Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State, who hasn't done anything different in terms of wins or losses than I predicted so far, I'm just sticking to what I expected and observing all these teams very carefully but by October, especially November, you'll see some videos on this channel, and also you'll hear me talk more confidently about some predictions of mine for how I think the playoffs and conference championship games will look, for sure. So thank you guys for watching this video. I want to give a quick shout-out to my patrons, Spencer Bringhurst, my All-American patron, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my All-Conference patrons. Speaking of all-conference, after two weeks of football, specifically Big Ten football, if you are in the mood to overreact, make a bold prediction maybe, tell me some players who you think will be on the all-Big Ten college football team at the end of the season. I've had a lot of fun so far watching college football and covering it with you guys. I can't wait for you all to see the content that we have for this week. Have a great day and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Um, and also make sure to comment your thoughts down below, subscribe to the channel, and like this video. We're trying to hit 20,000 subscribers by the end of the year. Have a great day, guys, and I'll see you later. Bye-bye.